I am encouraged on this morning with today being Father's Day. Ran across a stat uh, just as I was studying on yesterday. And it said that Father's Day is the least attended special day in the body of Christ. Is that not odd that Mother's Day is the most attended day? But that Father's Day, people look at as an opportunity to vacation. Most times if folk are not at their home church on Mother's Day, is because they're with mom. But on Father's Day, people typically, or oftentimes based on stats, just choose to stay at home and throw meat on the grill. But I'm glad that we're breaking trends on today. <laughs> uh, some folk don't know, don't know not to come to church because you, 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 you know you don't do church. Amen. This is about relationship. Amen. Uh, all my dads in here, whether you're with your baby's mama or not, whether, whether it happened when you were pledging in college, turn the lights on. We want to see these dads. Whether you plan to have a child or one just, just kind of surprised you. All my dads, would you just stand, please? Every single dad. We celebrate each of you. Yes. Awesome. Awesome. If you're near a dad, just give him a high five. Give him a hug. If you rode with him, if they got your last name, kiss him on the lips. Tell him again, happy for me to you. Happy Father's Day. I shouldn't see no brothers kissing brothers now. Shit, shit, shit. This ain't that kind of greeting. This ain't that kind of greeting. That's how you roll. You're going to have to find another track to roll on. Ah, oh, man. The fraternity of being a father is like none other. Such a blessing to see so many fathers and even also like moms, you know, that there are some some of us who have fathers that have transitioned on, uh, that are in heaven. Um, I did an Instagram, Facebook post earlier. And, um, you know, it's just good to honor your, your, your parents. And particularly, there's something about fathers. It's good to honor your fathers while they're living. Amen. It's good to honor your fathers while, while, while they're living. God will sometimes even send you to accompany your earthly father. He'll send you a spiritual father. And I'll just encourage you to, before the day is over, you reach out and you bless that man. And you tell him, thank you for covering you. You, you reach out and you say something nice. You say something nice, uh, nice to that man. Well, I'm rolling solo on today and I was trying to act right. I was trying to remember everything. I got to church late. I lost my glasses. I, I tried to put the thing on my head, and I, I just, I'm sweating. I mean, it just, y'all pray for me. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to act right. I'm trying to, trying to act good, you know, but uh, rolling solo, it's lacrosse season. And so my wife is with, uh, 
with our son, um, Peachtree City. I think that's where it is. Hour and a half away, long ways away. Uh, I think they crossed the border to get there. <clears throat> so I'm rolling solo on this morning, trying to act like I got it together. I figured I'd let my son borrow his mother um, on this on this morning. Um, but we had a great time as a family uh, on last night. Um, we. We didn't go out to eat. We, we let a restaurant come to us. So, so Jordan came home and we got food and we had a great time uh, as a family on last night. And uh, when my little girl last night, she, she came down, came downstairs. I was on the phone for a second after we had prayed and uh, had our family time. Uh, called my dad on yesterday since we were all were together and kids. Me and Pastor Lisa wish him happy birthday and happy birthday. That's July. A happy Father's Day. And so um, he and I end up chatting for a second. And then I get this text and said, are you still on the phone? I said, no, I want to hug your neck because it's my last time seeing you. You'll be gone in the morning. Um, I'll be gone in the morning before you wake up. And she says, I'm on my way down. Man. Boy, it's been the best Father's Day. I had to turn my phone off. I'm not even on Wi-Fi. Um, I had to turn it all off just because so many texts. And so I thank each of you all uh, for the many well wishes and for the cards. And uh, certainly uh, to be a dad, there's absolutely nothing like it. Um, let me see all my dads again. All my dads again, just wave at me. Just wave at me. Yeah, okay, all right. Do we have any dads to be? Like you got a you got a loaf of bread in somebody's oven? Yes, sir, Marshall. Yes, sir. Amen. Anybody else? Anybody else dad to be? Like you, you ain't gonna need a paternity test. Matter of fact, you might need one, but you, you know. Marshall Ashley, would you stand please? Uh, this is our next couple to have a baby. Yes. Marshall and Ashley Shepard. And we are excited for you guys. They're new homeowners and they call in a whole bunch of stuff in this year. To all my dads, thank you. You all may have your seat. To all my dads, I have a gift for you and it will be a supplement to what it is that we are preaching uh, on today. Uh, today I want to talk from the subject mistakes every good dad can avoid. Mistakes every good dad can avoid. Now um, this this sermon title it comes from the title of a book and the author's name of the book is Roland Warren and the name of the book is Bad Dads of the Bible Eight Mistakes Every Good Dad Can Avoid and so as a compliment to the book title we're titling today's sermon Mistakes Every Good Dad Can Avoid and to all my dads and my one dad to be on today we have a copy of the book for you um, as you as you leave uh, on today. And so again today, just want to 
alter that title just a bit. Mistakes every good dad can avoid. I've known, I've known that I've made plenty of mistakes. That's, that's been nothing that's new to me. No, I know that I've made plenty of mistakes. People have, um, people have even sometimes taken the liberty of pointing out my mistakes. Uh, the culmination of my mistakes all have rip, rip, misrepresented my Heavenly Father. A man's job is to represent the Father above. A dad's job is to represent the Father above. Now, ladies, before you check out on me, hang in here because I've come to find that the Holy Spirit that speaks to me occasionally is five foot two, about two shades darker than nougat. You know, that's that Snickers feeling, the, the nougat in the middle. Okay, so to those that are here that are first time guests, my wife is five foot two. She's a pretty brown thing. Um, the Holy Spirit that speaks to me oftentimes has pretty brown eyes. And so I want you to hang in there with me because I believe that the Holy Spirit is going to educate yet even you as well as the other men, dads, dads-to-be, and dads without any bread in the oven. Genetically, um, I have ways like my father. Uh, longer, spend large amounts of time with him, was there with him for 10 years at Salem before we started the church. I picked up many of dad's ways. Uh, my father was uh, my superhero in, in growing up. He was the larger than life figure that was set before me. I've got ways, I've got ways like my dad. I've heard my mother say, you, you just like your daddy. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, Lloyd, who's sitting over here on the front row, he remembers uh, when I was at Salem, I uh, didn't know Lord or Courtney uh, then, but they knew me from a distance. And now um, the Christians like others, are like family. And uh, Lloyd was there with my father and I, and he knew dad's personality well enough to, in recent times, he'll say, after I say something or do something that reminds him of dad, he'll say, that's that daddy Jasper. I have ways uh, like my father. There, there are certain things that are unmistakable that it's about me that I've inherited from my father. But, you know, my life shouldn't be to show you, to show those that are up close, to show my kids or even my wife. My goal, my intentions should not be 
to remind them of him. Lowercase h. But every man's job, my job, my goal is to show you him. Uh, being around dad, he molded me, listening to him preach. I told you he was, my, he was my superhero and every boy wants a father's endorsement. There are two things that every son wants to hear. Or there's one thing that every son wants to hear. Every son wants to hear his dad say, you've got what it takes. You can do this. Quad didn't have a really good game on, on yesterday and he got pulled out. He um, he got pulled out of the game and another goalie that wasn't supposed to play subbed him in and I was standing on the other side of the field and, and I shouted to him. I said, just remember Steph Curry. Yeah. You see, that doesn't, that doesn't mean the same thing to you that it meant to him. We had been watching the game together and uh, just the day before we were talking about Steph's game and, and I told Quad, I said, I think the reason why uh, Golden State won the games that they won is because uh, Steph kept shooting. Quad goes, yeah, Dad. He believes in himself. Every son wants to hear his father say, you've got what it takes. And when I stood on the sideline on yesterday and I said, remember Steph Curry, it was my way of telling my son, you, you got what it takes. Every son wants to hear his father say, you've got what it takes. And, and every girl wants to hear her dad say and deserves to hear her, her dad say, you're beautiful and I see you. The, this, is, this is how we as men reflect him to those that are closest to us, to our society, to our community, to our church. It's when we act like him. When, when we act like him so much so until that they pick up his ways by watching us. Oh, you, you've seen the pictures of the little, the little child, the little boy, the 8-year-old, 11-year-old, 4-year-old, standing in his father's shoes because dad wore these shoes. Or, or how about that kid that is trying to teach himself how to shave before testosterone has even run through his body and he takes ice cream and popsicle sticks and rubs the soap off the top of his lip. He, he does it because he's emulating what he's seen his father do. And the reality is that much of who my dad was was a misrepresentation of God the Father. Much of who I am, the mistakes that I've made has been a misrepresentation of God the Father. And, and please, please, this is no, no confessional time. Don't, don't judge my father. Don't judge me. And, and do not judge the man that you're sitting near. Maybe the man that you wrote to church with. The difference between him with the lowercase h and him with the capital H is that the lowercase h is full of sin. And every man, every woman that I'm talking to that's sitting here, that's listening to me, we, 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 we live, we live in, in sin. We, we, we're fallen from God. That, that is that which is being restored. It's, 
It's our effort, though, to continue to model what it means to be a man by correcting and changing our ways. The author of the book that I'm going to give all men who are here before you leave as a Father's Day gift uh, from, from me uh, to you, he, he writes this quote. He says, over the years, God has shown me that the attack on the institution of fatherhood and the strategy to make fathers unloving and ineffective is a primary goal of Satan himself. Why? Because if fathers are distant, distracted, disconnected, or even abusive, children will believe all fathers are this way. I'm going to read that statement again. Why is it Satan's primary goal? It's because if fathers are distant, distracted, disconnected, or even abusive, children will believe all fathers are this way. Even a heavenly father who claims to love them unconditionally. Maybe you haven't heard it yet, um, but one of Puffy's P. Diddy, Sean Combs, one of his concubines, has come forward in making reports about how it is that, that he treated her. Her name is Virginia V. If you would just watch this quick, this little brief video, pay close attention. Okay. And then when we got to the hotel, um, it got even worse. And um, he like, he like tried to, he took one of my sh heels and he tried to throw it at me. And then he like, like mushed my face and like really hard and made my nose bleed. Now, what made you stay? Because obviously there's baby number two, and then there's more beatings, according to you, that happened after that, because that was just the first time. What made you stay? Um, because I just thought that he was only being like that because he loved me. I, I want you to listen to that again and, and pay attention. Uh, she's a vlogger. Her name is Tasha K. And um, I understand, baby. That's all right. Just go on out and cry in the lobby. Mm -hmm. You can't get there by yourself. There we go. There we go. Amen. Amen. He don't want to be here for Father's Day. <clears throat> No, leave the lights off, leave the lights off, leave the lights off. I want you to watch it again. I want you to pay attention. The lady sitting to the left of the screen, Virginia V. The lady on the right, Tasha K., the vlogger. I, I want you to listen to as, as she describes what Puffy did. That's what she's doing. She's describing what Puff did. And then Tasha K. comes back with a follow-up question. And I want you to pay attention to her answer. Roll it again, please. And then when we got to the hotel, um, it got even worse. And um, he like, he like tried to, he took one of my sh heels and tried to throw it at me. And then he like, like mushed my face and like really hard and made my nose bleed. Now, what made you stay? Because obviously there's baby number two and then there's more beatings according to you that happened after that because that was just the first time what made you stay um because i just thought that he was only being like that because he loved me 
She goes on to talk about the fact that she observed her own, her own dad abuse her mother. That's not a good representation of him. I, I want to I ask dads that are here. How have you misrepresented him? I, I, I don't mean for the day to be solemn. Though the Holy Spirit can do whatever he wants to do. My goal in my heart is to keep the train from derailing. The fact that you're sitting here means that you lived one more day to give it one more try. And my heart, my passion, one of my callings in life is to wake up men and give men the biblical, the biblical level set. This is what it means to be a man of God. It doesn't mean that you'll live a life perfectly. God knows that I have not. But, but, but my job is this. If I could feel me in the spirit now, reach over and grab every man in here. And today just give you one good shaking. To wake you up, to, to put you back on track, to help you hear the message that God loves you. My, my, my goal is to tap every woman in here on today and, and every woman that will even hear this and say God's working on him. God's not through with him. I used to sing this song as a, as a baby. Uh, God's not finished with me yet. Took him a week to make the sun, moon, and stars, the earth and the wind, Jupiters and Mars. I'm not yet what I want to be, what I ought to be. He's still working on me, ma'am. To every daughter, to every mother, every grandmother, God is still working. He's still working on him. I just want to lift the first four mistakes that you will find cataloged in the book that I'll give you. It's a Father's Day gift from me before you leave on today. I want to lift the first four and thank God I have a mind of my own. I just want you to know that I haven't stolen the content out. I'm not re-preaching re it. If that was the case, I never would give you the book. <laughs> um, my, my goal on today is to take his mistakes and pair it up and line it up with my life. Because I want to be a good dad. I want to finish well. I, I want to be a good pastor. I, I want to be a good friend. I want to be a good brother. Um, but, but when it's all said and done, there, there are only two things that I'm looking for. I'm looking for my wife to say he was a good husband. And I'm looking for my children to say he's a good dad. He was a good dad. I believe now even as I think here and as I have this, this moment, this conscious stream of revelation, I believe that's why yesterday and this weekend and last night was so special. There, there wasn't a whole lot of fanfare. Jordan came in town because she was wanting to take her dad, her dad to dinner, but there was, there was a family issue. We called an audible, and I even paid for dinner. I did have my crab legs, though. I, I, I even paid for dinner, and we, we all sat at the dinner table and talked and chatted with each other. And I believe that the reason why this has been the best Father's Day is because I got my wife's and my children's approval. Yeah. 
And if I'm right about it, next Father's Day will be the best Father's Day ever. And if I'm right about it, Father's Day of 2021 will be the best Father's Day ever. And Father's Day of 2025, because he's not finished with me yet. It took him a week to make the sun, moon, and stars, earth and wind, Jupiter and Mars. I'm not yet what I, what I want to be, what I ought to be. He's still working on me. It's called sanctification. I don't care. I don't care whether you're male or female. You ought to always be getting better. God ought to always be pulling stuff out of you. That doesn't belong in you and putting some good stuff in you. You you ought to always be producing more fruit of the spirit, more joy. I mean, you know, who wants to shop from a field where there's bad fruit? You ought to always be increasing and level up, level up, level up, level up, level up, level up, level up. That's the whole song. Beyonce, I could have gone to Coachella and said that and got paid. Level up, level up, level up. That's all you got to say. Level up, level up. That's the whole song. Not because he did it. Not because level up, level up. That's the whole song. I'll take that check. Some of y'all over 45 looking at me like, what are you talking about? To level up, it means to go to the next level. And you ought to always... Be going to the next level in your manhood, in your, in your womanhood. You ought to always be level up, level up, level up. You ought to always be going to the next level. It breaks my heart to think, what if that was my daughter on the screen? Who had been intoxicated by someone's celebrity status. Didn't think enough of herself or her body to have gotten the wrong message of what love is, to have stayed with a man because she saw me be her mother. The truth is, some of our children may not ever, and I pray that you never end up on a YouTube clip. The truth is that we have molded and shaped our children with the wrong image. Four mistakes. Just the first four mistakes. Mistake number one. A good dad can avoid the mistake of not being paralyzed by your past failures. It, it's a mistake, sir, if you let your past failures, your past indiscretions, if you allow your past to paralyze you, that is a mistake. And may I tell you that the enemy loves to exploit our past mistakes. I'm talking to somebody in here now who feels like you, you, you're not worthy. You, 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 you don't deserve for God to bless you. You don't deserve God's grace. When you start thinking about some of the stuff that you've done, you don't deserve to be where you are in life. Because the enemy wants to, he wants to lean on and exploit your past mistakes. Oh, you remember what you used to do. You got on a shirt and a tie and a blazer now. But oh, if they only knew. You remember what you used to pack in your car, that little white powder. Hide it. 
in the spare tire. I had one somebody tell me, they're an incredible intercessor, pray all the time. I said, hey, man, man when, you were, when you were in the game, when you were in the game, you, would you pray? They told me, they said, that's when I prayed the hardest when I was about to make a run. We cannot let our past failures paralyze us. I just want to check, just want to poll the house. Are there any women who've ever had to deal and fight off the devil for some of the past failures that you've made, some of the past stuff that you, oh, look at all these angels in here. Sir. Do not let another baby need to go on out to the lobby. That's all right, baby. Mm -hmm. He taking you. He taking you. It's all right. It's all right. God bless the children. Don't let the enemy paralyze you because of your past stuff. If my past disqualified me, somebody else need to come on up here and take this mic. If, if, if my past is what, is what gave me permission to stand up and talk. No, it was the blood. It was. I just thought I'd drop some good news to you. On my way home, I start, thought I'd just tell you, it don't matter what you've done, if you've had an abortion, if you've had abortions, if you've paid for abortions, if you've broken up your family, if you got hooked on drugs, if you were heterosexual, bisexual, trisexual, that means you try anything. If you flew it, it don't matter. Whatever it is, the blood. Would you just help me preach to your neighbor and tell them it's because of the blood? You can't let, can't let your past failures paralyze you. You're going to have to settle on the fact either it's true or not true. But 2 Corinthians chapter 5, next time the enemy come to try to deliver you some bad news and try to take you off kilter and get you away from your destiny and, and, and having reasons not to accept and believe and receive everything that God has for you, you just need to remind him of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Touch yourself and say, I'm brand new. I'm brand new. Come on, all things have passed away. Everything that I did, it passed away. Behold, all things have become. I wish somebody would shout, I'm brand new. Your past, it cannot, it, it cannot paralyze you. Stop by and tell somebody that your past, God will turn it into a pulpit. Your past is your fishing rod. I can't talk to nobody been to jail. Did some hard time. Uh, uh, been to prison. But it's some folk that's in here. It's your past. You know what it's like to have that number. You know what that orange jumpsuit feel like. You know what prison food tastes like. God will use your past. As your pulpit. 
I'm staying too long. Second Samuel, when you get home, chapter number 13 is the story of Amnon and Tamar. Story of Amnon and Tamar, these are two of David's children. Uh, David through which the lineage of Jesus, 40 and two generations, uh, did Jesus come into this, to this world? Matthew chapter 1 begins to cart and chart his lineage. And David, he was a man after God's own heart. You know David, wrote most of the Psalms. He had a whole bunch of children, but 2 Samuel chapter 13, it's the story of Amnon and Tamar, their, their half-brother and half-sister. Amnon uh, catches this incestual feeling and he's looking up and he's summing up Tamar, his half-sister. He, he sees what he likes and the spirit of lust and perversion uh, comes in and he, he tricks Tamar. Bottom line is that he rapes her. Tamar is feeling shamed and her other brother Absalom knows that something isn't quite right with Tamar. Sis, what's going on? Nothing. Oh, you lying now. Nothing don't make you cry and your eyes are full of tears. What's going on? And she ends up telling him, Amnon raped me. There's this rage that comes on the inside of Absalom. And Absalom waits two years to get him back. He sets up this, this elaborate plan and he invites Amnon, the one who had raped his sister Tamar. They're going to go and shear sheep, and Absalom has his, he has his, he has his half-brother Amnon killed as payback for having raped his sister Tamar. Where's David in this? Where is their father in this? When you go back and read the scripture, he's nowhere. You can't find David. He's, 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 he's just being king. He's not being a dad. Because your past mistakes will paralyze you. That's 2 Samuel chapter 13. 2 Samuel chapter 11 and 12, if I have any Bible readers... That's the story of David and Bathsheba. I've, I've, I've learned that you can't make the assumption that folk know these Bible folk and as popular as Bathsheba is, that's the one that King David slept with. Uh, all of us didn't grow up in church. Uh, Bathsheba was the one that when David should have been out on the field fighting, David was out on, on his balcony in his, in his penthouse in, in Buckhead and and at a lower floor, there was this fine Instagram model named Bathsheba who was, who was taking pictures with no clothes on. She, she was taking pictures with no, with no clothes on. And, and David said, that's my type. And he sent somebody after her. And he sleeps with her, gets her pregnant. David starts trying to cover up his stuff. And Uriah, he sends for him. He says, go get Uriah. Let's let Uriah go and lay with his wife. Uriah's out where he's supposed to be fighting on the battlefield. Uriah comes home. He says, he says Uriah, why don't you go on, and, go on and lay with Bathsheba? And Uriah falls asleep after he done got drunk at the door and said, I cannot be indulging. 
and the pleasures of my wife when I should be out on the battlefield. That's, y'all gonna put it together in a minute. That's 2 Samuel 11 and 12. David has a man killed. Y'all know the story. Nathan comes to him, gives him this little parable, and he says, he says, David, you're the man. You're the one who had this big flock, and you went and you took this one man's sheep. And shame comes in on David in 2 Samuel chapter 11 and 12. Okay, now where did I start? I started at 2 Samuel chapter 13 with Amnon, Tamar, and Absalom. But because David had a pass with Bathsheba, will you just check your neighbor, make sure they awake? I, I, they ain't got to be saying nothing, but just make sure you can see their eyes. In 2 Samuel chapter 11 and 12, since David had done all of what he had done, when it comes down time now to rule and to speak and say, boy, you sit your behind down. What the world you think you doing, doing your sister like that? He let his paralyzed him and when his own children needed him he remained quiet <laughs> Roland Warren the author of this book he wrote a great book but I'm preaching a great sermon <laughs> brothers your past cannot define you I want you to say this after me. I will not. Come on, brothers. Put some, put some bass in your voice. Say it. I will not be paralyzed by my past failures. Too many folk need you. Your, your children need you. Your family. It needs you. Ladies, thank you for all of what you've done. When men would not rise and take their rightful position, you did it. The church has largely, not this church, but all churches, has largely, particularly in the African-American community, has been built on the blood, sweat, tears, and the backs of women. Because the men were running numbers and Looking at shoe models. You'll catch it later. You'll, you'll. Thank you for what you've done. But brothers, we got to rise up. We, we got to go back and reclaim. Reclaim our rightful place. Get over your past. We all got one. Difference in mine. And somebody else's, mine ain't in the newspaper. My dad used to always tell me, ain't but two kind of folk. The caught and the uncaught. Thank God. I'm in the second bucket. Brother, say it again. I will not. Be paralyzed by my past failures. Good dads, good dads can avoid the mistake of number two. Making his children compete for his affection. 
making his children compete for his affection. Dad and mom, you don't realize it, but you're programming your children for what they are to expect when they're adults, when they're married. Just like the young lady that we witnessed earlier, she was programmed for what love looked like, and her program was wrong. She was programmed for love to be abusive. She saw mom be abused by her dad. And can I tell you, that's when your children are learning the most when you don't even realize that they're watching. You're programming your children the wrong way. This is such a dangerous trap to make brothers and sisters, siblings compete for a father's affection. I've come to learn that i got to love my daughter differently than I love my son. But they never should feel like I don't love them. And I should never pit them against each other. A very dangerous trap. Can I be, can I be just transparent here, here for just, 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 just one second? Uh, j- just for one second. Um, uh, my, my, brother, my brother was the athlete. Now, it's two of us. It's uh, Jasper III. I'm the oldest. And... And there's Joseph. Uh, Joe is, is my, my, my younger brother uh, by five years. And so Joe, Joe was the athlete. He, big guy, he played football, just naturally gifted even as a little boy. You know, Joe, Joe was just, he was just athletic. He never had to work on it. It was just, it was just in him. I was in the band. I was, I was in the band and on Eagle Roll. I was, I was on it. What you laughing at, Sam? Uh, <clears throat> Um, my brother was the athlete. Um, I was in the band. Um, if you've been around here in any length of time, you know I don't know a whole lot about sports. Um, I act like I know. I think if I just start saying what Stephen A. said, then, then I'll be able to level up, level up, level up my sports IQ. But my dad didn't like band concerts. Do, 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 do. You know the little flutes that folk that they play? But I, I just want to throw, no, you can't be in the band. Uh-uh, none of y'all can be in that. That little flute, and then, I, and then I had to find what instrument. So I played, went from flute to violin. Ain't nobody else in the band? I, I ain't got no witnesses, do I? Yeah, okay. All right, but I wasn't in that kind of band. Uh, I went, do, 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 do. That wasn't me. I wasn't in. I wasn't in that. I wasn't in that band. So my dad wouldn't come to my concerts. But he, may, he would always come to my brother's games. And he wasn't doing it. He wasn't doing it on purpose. But, but I started to compete for his affection. I wanted to make him proud. I wanted to tell him. I wanted to hear him say, good job, son. Way, way, to, way to play that chord, son. Anything. I didn't want to be out at the lacrosse field yesterday and it was hot. 
I got up at 4.45 on a Saturday morning. I was ready to eat some cereal in my pajamas, and, and I'm down on a field. But I wouldn't have been nowhere else. Dads, we have to do what, what we don't even really want to do because, because we're shaping and, and we're molding. And so what I learned was, was, was that dad always respected and rewarded grades. And so since I didn't play ball, I said, I'm going to get these grades. And so every time progress report would come out. Joe, Joe wasn't no good, good student. <laughs> Y'all understand what I'm saying? As dad hit my report card, oh son, look, A, A, A. Why'd you get a B plus? A, A. Oh, my son, you brilliant. <laughs> I'm like your little dog. <laughs> Say it again. <laughs> Say it again. <laughs> so I graduated high school a year early. I'm in college. I wasn't even 18. I went to the University of Georgia. Oh, let me tell you, at the end of my freshman year, I already know I ain't going to get to all these points. I'll just see y'all next week. Um, at, the, at the end of my freshman y'all want to know what we're going to talk about next week? Yep, these next two points. Uh, at the end of my freshman year, and I'm going to think you don't want to hear them if everybody in here don't come back. Give me a camera. Let me take a picture. Everybody in here. Let me see. Joe Farrar sitting right there and Miss Ambo on the back. I got you. You better be here. <laughs> At the end of my freshman year in college, I didn't even have enough credit to be a sophomore. I, I, had, I had messed up freshman English and I had dropped the class. I'm a mess up freshman English, and I went to Woodward, a college preparatory school, and had some honors class. How am I, how am I, how, how am I not going to write right? But I messed up. It was, I, it was a dumb rule. It was a comma. I didn't put the commas. I ain't never been good at grammar. Thank God for Google. I didn't put the commas where they were supposed to go on the final exam, and, and it, it knocked my grade down, and I didn't have, I didn't have enough, uh, enough points to make it on through. So at the end of my freshman year, I'm not even a sophomore. My dad, son, what happened? You were Williams. I remember one time I was struggling with math. You got a D in math? Oh, son. If you can't count, you can't make it through life. What's your mama and your brother going to do if I ain't here and you can't count? 
Some of y'all know my dad. No, that's a pretty accurate. That's a pretty accurate enactment. Oh, dad, I'm sorry. I don't know. I didn't mean to go. I didn't mean to. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I'm a Williams. I'm a Williams. I'm a Williams. I'm a Williams. At the end of my freshman year, didn't have enough credit to be a sophomore. But I still graduated the University of Georgia in less than three years. Because one semester, I took 30 hours. Average student would take 12 to 15. Competing for my father's affection. I didn't have enough credit. I know dad rewards. I'm helping somebody in here. I know dad rewards grades. And my brother's grades ain't the best. I, I, took, I took 30 semester hours. One quarter. Next quarter. I took 27 hours. Because I'm competing. I just want to hear him say, that's my son. You're Williams. Because it was different than, you're Williams. Versus, you're Williams. I competed. I competed. I got to seminary. Matter of fact, I started seminary my last quarter at the University of Georgia. Because I, I, I knew I was on the road and the track to be a pastor. And I knew that my dad wanted me to come back home and, and work with him. And so the way I do it is that I'll just compete for. Is anybody having stuff pop off in your head as to how you had to work and compete for your own father's affection? And you figured out what makes dad happy and you start doing it. The problem is you start performing. And society has a term for it called performance. Excuse me, psychology has a term for it called performance orientation. So your whole life becomes about performing and you start judging yourself on, on, on how much of a man you are and how successful you are based on how well you perform. So I start performing for my father because I wanted his affection. But then I start, okay, so we're going to start this church we're going to be up to 500 in a minute. 750 ought to be coming. When we going to buy some land? I start performing for him. Because I've been performing for him. I, I, thought, that, I thought that if the more I do, the happier he'll be. Because the more I did, the happier he was. And then, God calls me to start the church. And I've been performing and performing and gaining his attention and his affection and his love. It was nothing I ever wanted. Not, nothing I, I ever wanted. I had the keys to the kingdom. Had all his credit cards. My name was on his, his accounts. He'd tell me to write the check and sign it. 
Because I, I performed the way I've been rewarded with that kind of trust. I bought all his clothes. I, I'd go shopping for him with, with the credit card. Son, be sure you get what you want. Yes, sir, Dad. Joe said, he ain't got to tell me. <laughs> well, that joker, he was something. <laughs> but I kept performing, and the more I did because of what he wanted, the more of his affection I got. But because he wanted me to stay home and he wanted to turn the church over to me, now suddenly I'm not performing for him. Y'all can't handle this. You, we, we, we might need to cut this one off right here. Whenever his vision conflicted with his vision, suddenly now I don't have his affection. And I didn't get his affection because he had been molded and shaped in the same way by his own father. Why are you talking about this, Pastor? Why are you saying, isn't this personal? Yes, it's very personal. But it's also public. My goal and my job is to, to save families. Dad. Don't make, your, don't make your children compete for your affection. I want to let, let it go. I got a special way I want to end. And my, my, my father, my father, I thought so much of him. And he, I performed so much for him. I pushed the bar so far. I, I met my wife. I met Pastor Alicia. Fifth Sunday in July, 1995. <laughs> Dad, I, I met somebody. Oh, son, that's great. Tell me about her. What that her name is. Is she in school? No, Dad, she just graduated. What school she graduated from? University of Houston. Oh, son, that's great. You say she just graduated? I said, yeah, Dad, she just graduated. He said, now how old are you? I said, Dad, I'll be 23 in September. He said, how old is she? I said, Dad, she just turned. She just turned 23. Wait a minute, and, then, and she just graduated? She just graduated. Something wrong? She on the extended program? Something with she? Was she? He began to judge everybody on me. The problem was, I was something was wrong with me. Who takes who? All right, so I told y'all about college, right? When I got to seminary, in order for me to get my master's of theology, four-year master's degree, um, 122 semester hours, you got to have two and a half years of Greek, and then you got to have two years of Hebrew. Why did my performing enhancement orientation behind take my second year of Greek in the summer? It was two sessions, and they crammed 
a whole quarter, a whole semester in the first five weeks, and then the whole uh, next semester in the second five weeks, but that was my morning class. I took my whole first year of Hebrew in the afternoon. I don't remember nothing. Thank God for software. I, I don't remember. All I know is I'm saved. That, that's about all I know. It, it, it was funny. Dad, Dad said, well, well, if, if you can do it, then I'll, I'll pay for it. Y'all understand how I was living. I had a one-bedroom apartment in a gated community in a BMW and didn't work. He, he said, but son, I don't want you over in the corner playing with yourself. He was saying he didn't want me to go crazy. Oh, y'all thought playing with myself. Oh, I get it. I get it. No, not that kind of playing with myself. I told y'all I got a pass. Bible says in Genesis chapter 50, with the enemy meant for evil, God meant it for my good. So all, all this stuff of performing for dad to get his affection, I didn't even give y'all the Bible side of it. Please come back next week. Please, please come back next week. I want to make homes better. I'm not trying to incite you. I'm not trying to entertain you. I'm trying to get the kingdom to come in your house because if we don't take back the house with the man at the head, our world will continue to look the way it looks. And we got to do our part. I ain't going to tell you how to get blessed and how to be rich and how to sow into the increase coming. No, no, I ain't gonna do, we ain't going to spin around three times next week, but come back. Your house is going to be better. Romans 8, 28, all things work together for the good of those that love the Lord and are called. All of what I learned that I didn't even realize wasn't God's best. All of what I learned has made me the man that I am today. Everything. You want to know what my greatest fear was in life? My greatest fear in life was my marriage ending in divorce because my mom and dad's marriage had ended in divorce. And I had to be raised, me and my brother had to be raised in a broken home. And the trauma of the divorce, not that it was ugly, not because they went to court, not because none of this kind of stuff, but a child has been made by God to grow up with a mom and a dad in the house 
in a loving, safe environment. The trauma of all that, it, it, it was so much emotional pain that I did not know how to handle. I blocked it off and I don't remember largely my fifth grade through my seventh grade part of eighth grade years because of the pain and the trauma. And so when I meet my wife, my biggest fear is my marriage ending in divorce because I didn't want to raise my children in divorce. But all things work together for the good of those that love the Lord, which is why I keep on fighting for my marriage. I ain't going nowhere. Get tired of me all you want to. I know I got some stuff I'm trying to work through. I know I can be a donkey sometime. But girl, we ain't quitting this. Give, give me your hand here. Come on, let's pray. God gonna do something. He gonna intervene. I don't have any witnesses in here. I don't care how you were raised. God takes all things and work them together for my good. Only reason she wouldn't leave me because I wouldn't let her. No, you ain't going nowhere. I told you I was scared. Sit you behind down. Are y'all getting this? Dad traveled everywhere. He was all, all over the United States. Mom remembers him being gone 45, 46 weeks out of the year. Running revival. Y'all know anybody, anybody from the old Baptist church? Anybody from the old Baptist church? Oh, that's so refreshing. Not a whole lot of hands went up. And the way it used to be is revival was five and six nights. If you had a good revivalist, they'd start on Sunday night and run all the way to Friday night. Dad was never home. We were out on the cruise, on the church cruise, me and Quad sitting on the back of a jet ski, waiting for the little tour guide thing, man, to come on. We're sitting there looking at the island of Labadee on Haiti. Beautiful place. But I wish I was there now. My son sat on the back. Said, my dad never did anything like this with me. I didn't say it condemning dad. I said it because I was grateful that my son was sitting behind me. All things work together for the good of those that love the Lord. Do you see what God did? My dad picked me up one time on his motorcycle. My whole 12 years at school, he picked me up one time on his motorcycle, and he was late when he got there. <laughs> oh, son, I thought school ended at 4. What school you know ended 4? It ended 3, Dad. <laughs> I ain't got no tutorial. You know I'm smart. <laughs> but because my dad wasn't there, you ain't going to miss me. I, I Nothing. I almost didn't come today. I almost, I was say, we just like, y'all just going to have extended praise and worship because I wants to be with my son and with my wife. Because I remember when dad picked ministry over me. 
But all things work together for the good of those that love the Lord. Am I making sense? Repeat after me, man. I will not make my children compete for my affection. Say it again. I will not make my children compete for my affection. Everyone standing. Happy Father's Day, Dad. It's, 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 it's me. It's me, third of them. Happy Father's Day, Dad. I enjoyed talking to you last night. And Funny, you asked me what I was preaching, and I, Dad, I couldn't get any further than two points. I told you I had four. Hope your service went well today. Maybe somebody tell you what I posted on Instagram about you. Dad, we've had some high highs and some lower highs. Wink. But Dad, your ceiling has become my floor. Dad, the only reason I'm here is because you decided to go half with mama on a baby. Dad, I honor you as my, as my earthly father. Dad, I'm just, I'm just sitting here thinking. <clears throat> I remember that time when you told me, son, study me so much so until you not only know the right stuff, but study me to the point to where you don't make the same mistakes that I made. Then that comes from the mouth of wisdom. That's, that could be a proverb that Solomon would have uttered. And so dad, you, you invited me into your life and you let me see the good and the bad. And Dad, I, I didn't know it then. I didn't have words then to have to understand that you and Granddaddy had y'all stuff and that you had, you had, you know what I'm talking about. I didn't know it then, but, but Dad, I, I, just, I just say that I understand so much more about you. It was because of how you were molded of how you were made and that does not absolve you as a man from looking in scripture and seeing what the Bible says and changing and adjusting but dad I, I just refuse to give the enemy place and space for me to hold anything against you 
I forgive you. Even though you're not asking me to forgive. But I forgive you. I release you, Dad. Everything in the inside of my heart, I release you. And I turn you over and I bless you. I pray that you have long life. I pray that, that this last portion of your life, the end of your, of, your, of your, it'll be greater than the first part. Dad, I bless you as you are forming acts, African-American churches that are transforming society. As, you're, as your ministry is leaving from behind the pulpit and your leadership is being seen yet even more in the community. Dad, I, do your thing, do your thing, do your thing, do your thing, do your thing. That one more thing before I sign this letter. One more thing, Dad. I just want to say thank you for all the stuff you didn't do right. Because, Dad, what God did, it's taken me 46 years to figure this one out, is that He created a holy discomfort. For me to vow to be the best husband to Alicia that I could be and the best dad to those two children, your grandchildren. And dad, I don't know that I would have had the wherewithal to have made that kind of commitment if it hadn't been for the pain as a grown man I've had to face. So dad, thank you. For everything that you didn't do right. Happy Father's Day 2019. I love you. Third of them. I, I want to pray for men here, and I believe that. There's some men who have identified with my story. Maybe you didn't grow up in the house of a preacher or pastor. But you identify, you had some issues with your dad. As I was speaking and telling my story, there was a parallel story that was running in your own head. You know, it's easier to forgive a father that's absent because he's not with your mother. It's just not in your life. It's easier to forgive that kind of, that kind of dad. I said pastor, but that kind of dad. As opposed to the one who was always at home but was drunk or sitting down watching TV, never took you to the barbershop, never threw the football with you, never talked to you about the birds and the bees. It's a different kind of pain. And in many regards, it's a worse pain. But for every man who, who has something that you need, to, you need to forgive your father for, I don't care what it is, big or small, big or small, I want you to meet me here at this altar. I want you, I want you to meet me here at this altar. Every man, you holding something against dad. He wasn't there. He wasn't in my life. He was absent. He was a jerk. He grew me up too fast. He introduced me to pornography. He taught me how to run women. You've been carrying that thing. Spoke words of death over you. 
He didn't even speak over you. 